This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. I'm sorry to note that I may be a little bit nasally today because I've contracted some sort of virus. It might be the H1N1 flu virus. In fact, I hope it is because it's fairly mild and I wouldn't mind getting a mild case of H1N1 before the true blue flu season arrives later this fall. And speaking of fall, we've just passed the equinox on the 21st. So yes, by tradition, this is the fall in the Northern Hemisphere between now and December 21st. We mentioned, by the way, a couple of weeks ago that if you got up on the night of the 20th, or the rather the morning of the 20th before sunrise and looked for Venus, you'd see it right next to the star Regulus. I hope you did that, dear listener. I did, and it looked pretty cool. But let us begin this program, as we like to do, with On This Date in History, the date in question being the 24th of September. The 24th of September, by tradition, in the year 622, the Prophet Muhammad, fleeing from Mecca, arrived in Medina. The Hijra, his flight to the desert oasis, marks the start of the Muslim calendar. On September 24th in 1852, which is 51 years before the Wright brothers, the French inventor Henri Giffard made the first ever powered, controlled flight in his new invention, the dirigible. It flew 17 miles from Paris to Trappe, I guess it's pronounced Trappe, T-R-A-P-P-E, in three hours. In shades of Bernie Madoff, on September 24th in 1869, gold prices plummeted on Black Friday, the result of a swindle by American financier Jay Gould and his robber baron partner James Fisk. The two conspired to inflate and then corner the gold market. The Republican administration of Ulysses S. Grant didn't do much about it. Ring any bells? On this date in 1890, under pressure by the U.S. government, Mormon leaders issued the Mormon Manifesto, abandoning polygamy as a tenant of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And finally, on this date in 1964, the Warren Commission, dutifully assembled by President Lyndon Baines Johnson with the express purpose of showing that there was no conspiracy in the assassination of JFK, produced its findings, which was that There was no conspiracy in the assassination of JFK. The entire investigation was most notable for the fact that every time promising leads arose, they were not pursued. Our quote of the day, and we've used this before, comes from the author Saki, who was recently quoted in the London Guardian, as having said, A little inaccuracy sometimes saves tons of explanation. That is a principle we we often rely upon on this program. As you may have noted in you know, past classroom activities or talking to people you know, that if someone wants to get the story exactly right, every I dotted, every T crossed, having things explained in complete precision, boy, sometimes you just waste a lot of time. Just to pick an example, if somebody asked, is New York east of San Francisco? You would say, yes. Of course, if you tra- travel west from San Francisco, you will eventually come back to New York City. Therefore, we think it's better just to say, Yes, and have a little inaccuracy left in. Our quip of the day comes from comedian Wanda Sykes, who said on an HBO uh, commercial promoting her new uh, television show, I guess coming out this fall, 
It's set up as a mock press conference where she's a presidential spokesperson. Someone asks if she's a real American. She said, absolutely. There's two ways you can tell that. I speak only English, and I don't know how to use the metric system. Our stat of the day, the average American man owns seven pairs of shoes, while the average American woman owns 15. Anyway, let's see if we can't move right into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week a few weeks back for Mother Earth when Europeans bid farewell to the 100-watt incandescent light bulb. Apparently, from this point forward, Edison's brainchild can no longer be legally made or imported into the European Union for domestic use. Individual bulb smugglers will face a 5,000-euro fine, which is almost eight grand, while companies could face unlimited fines. It was, on the other hand, a bad week for ambition. Last week, after 16-year-old Jessica Watson of Australia, who's seeking to become the youngest person to sail solo, nonstop, and unassisted around the world, crashed her yacht into a bulk freighter less than 24 hours after she launched her bid. And it was kind of an ugly week last week for the penal system, when it was revealed that a criminally insane killer escaped during a mental hospital field trip to a county fair up in Spokane, Washington. He was recaptured after a few days, but furious Spokane residents and officials wanted alike why such a dangerous person was out in public. Apparently, Philip Arnold Paul had been telling some friends that he was about to be released uh, sometime soon, and when he made his way out of the uh, field trip and showed up at their house, they assumed he'd just been released and helped him. Of course, authorities then use these people to then find out where they left him off out in the woods, and he was duly recaptured. Well, I'm glad they captured him before he got to Sacramento. They'd probably put him up in the tent city here. We'll have more to say on that, of course, shortly. But I did like this item from the Only in America file, also from the week. Apparently, a California college student was detained for five hours at Philadelphia's airport for having Arabic flashcards in his luggage. Nick George says he should have been released after he showed ID and explained that he was teaching himself Arabic. Instead, he said he was handcuffed and thrown into a holding cell where a TSA official asked him, Do you know what language Osama bin Laden spoke? No word yet on whether TSA officials plan to start throwing Cambodians in the clinker because, you know, we know what language Pol Pot spoke, don't we? Hey, how about Germans? Hey, we know what Hitler spoke, huh? All right, uh... Item number two from the Only in America file. Jim Paulin, an outspoken anti-abortion activist, was shot to death last week. His accused killer said he acted out of anger at the victim's confrontational approach. Paulin was frequently seen at demonstrations displaying graphic photographs of aborted fetuses. He was shot several times from a moving vehicle while protesting across the street from Osoo High School. Well, I guess these pro-life people are serious about their beliefs and are willing to kill to demonstrate how strongly we feel about them. All right, we asked uh, two weeks ago whether uh, the speech that President Obama gave to the joint session of Congress would be overshadowed by bonehead Joe Wilson's ejaculation, you lie. Although we noted that there was a boost in the president's poll numbers of about 14% after the speech, 
Much of the coverage is nevertheless focused on whether it's right to speak up. While a poll showed that 61% of Americans did not approve of such activity, 21% thought it was just fine. I'm not sure they would have felt the same way if someone had spoken up during one of the uh, Bush speeches to uh, address Congress as part of the State of the Union annual event. Anyway, my voice uh, seems to be hanging in there. Uh, yeah, swine flu. They're saying now that the uh, swine flu spray vaccine is going to be ready in October. The first batch of 3 million doses is apparently going to be the flu mist nasal spray type. Of course, we're getting a lot of conflicting stories in the media, but uh, one thing that seems certain, using hand sanitizer will help. Of course, naturally, some idiots out there concerned about the fact that, you know, hand sanitizers do have a fairly high alcohol content, which makes them worried about potential misuses as an intoxicant. Article in the Chicago Tribune by Noreen uh, S. Ahmed Ola noted that to be effective, health officials have deemed it necessary to have at least 60% alcohol in hand sanitizers, which is roughly the equivalent of whiskey. Apparently, some schools in Florida and Canada have banned hand sanitizers because of this high concentration of alcohol. Of course, luckily, saner people are saying that, well, you know, with the swine flu around the corner, uh, these educators may be overreacting. And of course, we're anticipating that before it's all said and done, uh, 2 billion people worldwide could be infected over the next couple years with swine flu. If history proves to be any guide uh, to this current outbreak, several million people could die from the disease, and probably about 100,000 here in the U.S. alone. The disease appears to be striking hardest at those under 25, Children with neurological problems, pregnant women, and people with weak lungs or fragile immune systems. If you're born before 1957, you appear to have some immunity built in due to previous pandemics. Yes, I don't know any of you uh, caught President Obama on David Letterman earlier this week, but uh, he performed pretty darn well. The president is on a public relations offensive trying to uh, get people mobilized and working in the same direction toward health care reform and some relaxation of international tensions. Ralph Nader was on Democracy Now! earlier this week. You may have caught him on KDVS or KZFR or KVMR, talking about how we need to mobilize across the nation. We need a couple thousand people in every congressional district, and this is probably going to require the help of some, well, wealthy progressives. President appears to be leaning pretty hard on Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli right wing to stop their expansion of settlements, which is designed to uh, derail the peace process. We firmly believe the president can lean hard enough on the Israelis and, of course, the Palestinians as well. Peace is achievable. Some excellent news reported in the New York Times uh, last Saturday that uh, Vladimir Putin said he's glad the U.S. has canceled missiles in Poland canceled uh, putting in an anti-ballistic missile system in Eastern Europe, and that Russia, for its part, is not going to deploy uh, uh, likewise in, uh, near the Polish border. The U.S. has been marketing these anti-missile missiles as a protection against Iranian developments in the missile department. And, uh, you know, look at a map. A reader did alertly point out that a missile launched from Tehran might indeed come, go over Europe as it was headed for the U.S., but this is not what this is all about. Yeah, Russia is making noise, too, about putting missiles in Kaliningrad, which, if you look on the map, is a little chunk of Russia cut off from the rest of the, uh, the mass of the country. It used to be the city of Konigsberg in Prussia. 
It uh, fell to the Red Army in World War II, and the, and the Russians are very reluctant to give it up. So, yes, there's still a little chunk of Russia facing the Baltic. But anyway, uh, Obama was just a pleasure to watch on David Letterman. We wish him well in drawing a line in the sand and fighting for some of the things we, uh, we elected him to do last November. And by the way, our joke of the day, and I've been saving it, came from uh, Letterman's monologue on Monday night when he noted that over the weekend, President Bush had shown up at the Dallas Cowboys-New York Giants game and had done the ceremonial coin flip, which caused Letterman to add, and you know the interesting thing about that is, it was the same coin the Supreme Court used to determine that he was president. You know, and I do wish that uh, the, Bush, the Obama administration would seek justice with some of the, uh, the Bush officials. Apparently, uh, the latest is former Interior Secretary Gail Norton, who's alleged to have used her position to steer lucrative oil leases to Dutch Royal Shell, the company she works for now. Well, we'll, we'll see where that goes. And speaking of Supreme Court coin flippers, one of the felonious five that put George Bush into the White House returned to Sacramento. His roots, Anthony Kennedy, came back to McGeorge Law School this week. He apparently wielded a shovel to break ground on a new $10 million li law library expansion. Article by Robert Davila in the B noted that uh, Kennedy declined to answer a question about pending a pending federal case involving overcrowding in California prisons. I'd like to add that for the last eight years, he's also refused to comment upon the legal reasoning involved in Bush versus Gore, which appears to be the five of us decided to appoint George Bush president. If there's more to it than that, I'd like to hear the explanation. And I know some of you out there, dear listeners, uh, are alumni from McGeorge. And so, you know, when you get a chance, next time Anthony Kennedy comes out to visit, will, will someone pop him that question to see what he says? Well, there was a recent rally in Washington, D.C., which uh, Fox News claims had, you know, at least a million people. More accurate estimates appear to be about 70,000. Sebastian Jones writing in The Nation described how when he was walking down Pennsylvania Avenue, one tall bearded fellow shouted, White power! A few folks looked up awkwardly and weren't sure how to react, but most just moved along with the crowd. He passed an elderly man showing off his sign that, says, that said, McCarthy was right. The most common mass-produced poster, courtesy of an anti-abortion group, demanded that we bury Obamacare with Kennedy. You may have noticed this, and I did while I was working out in the gym. Fox was giving this wall-to-wall -wall coverage, implying that there were a million people protesting uh, this effort to reform health care. People were quoted as referring to the Communist Broadcasting Service and the Communist News Network. Meanwhile, uh, people from Fox News were heroes, the greatest hero of all. Glenn Beck. I want to thank Millie for the article she sent about Glenn Beck, who's apparently currently gracing the cover of Time magazine. Noted an op-ed piece by Frank Rich about Glenn Beck. Noted Rich, Beck has notoriously defamed Obama as a racist. But uh, surprisingly, Rich actually has some good things to say about Glenn Beck, noting that uh, he's drawn a chart in his program to dramatize the revolving door between Washington and Goldman Sachs in both the Hank Paulson and Timothy Geithner Treasury Departments. A couple weeks later on his show, Beck mockingly replaced the stars in the American flag with the logos of corporate giants like GE, General Motors, Walmart, and Citigroup. Noting, says Rich, that little of it would be out of place in a Matt Taibbi article in Rolling Stone. Yeah, I do wonder about mass movements sometimes. Apparently in the wake of Michael Jackson's death, people all over the world turned out 
<laughs> to dance and perform the Michael's Thrilla dance routine. These flash mobs emerged in Mexico City and in Berlin, in some cases pulled in tens of thousands of people. You may have noticed, too, that uh, charges were dropped here in Sacramento against uh, Hmong General Vang Pao, who was accused of trying to overthrow the government of Laos. They did know how to turn out a crowd for protests in Sacramento, I can tell you that. They filled the streets. Uh, the article by Steven Manganini in SACB.com noted uh, that um, editor Wameng Mua of the St. Paul, Minnesota paper Hmong Today said, My heart's filled with joy. This is a testament to the fact that the government listened to the 15,000 people screaming in the streets of Sacramento. It worked. Well, that goes to show you, if you can get 15,000 people out in the streets to scream, things can happen. So I think Ralph Nader has a point about what we got to do to get some health care reform. You know, let's take a break at this time to see what, uh, what our good pal Will Durst, America's foremost political comic, has to say. Thanks, Doug. And today I got some advice for the Republican Party. You might want to hold off on anointing Joe Wilson as your new champion. Could just come back and bite you so hard you'd be pulling Hispanic teeth out of your butt for years. You all know Joe Wilson. He's the you lie guy. Maybe Al Franken's presence in the Capitol made the South Carolina representative mistake his surroundings for a comedy club as he heckled the president who was speaking to a joint session of children. I mean Congress. Think Joe the plumber without all the class. And right now, conservative politicians are tripping all over themselves, posting giant I'm with Joe signs outside their offices. My theory is this guy's going to turn out to be another in a long line of GOP sugar rushes. Similar to what you experience on November 1st after staying up all night finishing your bag of Halloween candy. One of those things that seems like a good idea at the time, but then your teeth rot right out of your face and onto the floor. Of course, Wilson is just one more right-wing lemming being stampeded into a mass cliff dive raining down on Obama's head. It's the tenor of the outrage that has caused former President Jimmy Carter to speculate that a large portion of the flock of falling lemmings is because Obama is black. See, stupid people tend to be racists. And while you can say that all racism is stupid, not all stupidity is racist. Some of it's just ignorance. I do think, though, we can say it's pretty obvious that some folks are never going to get used to the fact that the country is now being run by a black guy living in public housing. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Always good to hear from Will. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. Let's take a short break. (laughs) 